Welcome to Notes on Vulnerability, a podcast designed to put stories of resilience, courage and being human at the heart of the conversation. In each episode of this podcast, we'll be speaking to a regular human being about their experiences with vulnerability. I'm going to be asking people to bring something to the table about what vulnerability means to them. That could be a statement, an event or a thought that has meaning for them where vulnerability is concerned. Vulnerability can be a hard ask these days. It's not easy to let yourself be really seen, especially the parts that aren't perfect. Why would you show people your mistakes, your problems, your fears, or what you're ashamed of when you can just filter it out, cover it up, and present a much more socially acceptable version of you to the world instead? Personally, my answer to that, and the reason that I started this podcast, would be because that's who you really are. I've found that it's not only problematic for me if I'm not matching up who I am on the inside with who I present to the world, but it also means missing out on all the good stuff, whether that's genuine love and belonging, or opportunities and connections that can really only come through being courageous and being yourself. And of course, you never know who you might save or inspire just by telling your story or showing up as who you really are. And that's kind of why we're here. Hi, and welcome, Annika. Um, Just to tell everyone a bit about you, um, you are a yoga teacher and fitness enthusiast, formerly of Aruba, now based in the Netherlands, but American by birth. My sort of assessment of you would be that you are a true creative from the blog that you write, which covers a wide range of topics such as big feelings or breaking the mould to your fibre art and your work on social media strategy and creative content. And recently you've moved into supporting other humans and creatives, whether that's via tarot readings or creative coaching. So welcome, Annika. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that introduction? No, how lovely. Yeah, I definitely think that pretty much uh, sums me up in a, in a big way. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this podcast. As the topic is vulnerability, I'm just going to start with a very quick definition so that everyone is on the same page. So vulnerability in this context, we're going to be looking at it as telling the story of who you are and letting yourself be truly seen when you can't control outcomes or reactions. So we're coming today to talk about your specific topic, and that is notes on vulnerability. Where can I see you naked online? So do you want to kick off by explaining a bit more about this? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a sharer. I love to share. Uh, and I do post sometimes like rather revealing pictures, but it all goes back to uh, when I was 18, I got into the modeling world because I thought it would be fun and I, I, a rather quick and easy way to get a, a couple bucks. Not, you know, professionally per se, but, you know, with some actual professional photographers. And I learned that very quickly the biggest and easiest way to make the most amount of money was by being naked, as you do. And <laughs> every so often when I bring it up to people like, oh, yeah, for two years, or a year and a half or so, I, I supported myself primarily through taking my clothes off in front of a camera. And everyone automatically, especially men, immediately goes, oh, what do I have to Google? Where can I find it? What's, what was your name? Did you use an alias? It's like they're immediately on their phones or on their computers trying to find me naked on the internet. So it's a, it's a very common topic that comes up the second I mention my past in that. <laughs> So obviously like there is, I can kind of see where the vulnerability is there because for most people being naked is one of the ultimate vulnerabilities Um, and also having a historical record of your nakedness online is an easy to understand vulnerability. 
Is that where it comes from for you? I, I think so. I mean, yeah, it can be very vulnerable to realize, like, it's not a secret what I look like under my clothes. And then someone could just open it up and, and really pick me apart for that. And there's also the level of, um, like, sexualization that happens with it. And that, I think, is is a really big topic, is that um, the judgment that immediately comes from it so quickly. Is that something you find mostly from men or from women? Mostly, well, you know, that's actually a really funny topic now that you mention it. I find more that men treat it as a, like, I become more of an object to them once they find that out. Or somehow, um, some people have treated me as, like, less worthy than because of. But women can also be very judgy in going, oh, I would never do that. Or, you know, what does your boyfriend think? So I think it's a different sort of judgment. That always fascinates me, the way women do that, because I've felt myself doing it sometimes. And I think because I know that I've done it, I often feel it from other people. But where do you think that comes from? I think there's a jealousy issue or or like a fear, you know? I find that when I judge people, it's usually because they're doing something that I want to do, but I don't have the courage to, or I've always wanted to try, or I'm curious about. Um, and there is something very brazen about being like, here I am, I'm naked, it's easy to find, you know, but there's a power in it as well. And sometimes I think that women are actually just like, oh, wow, I wish I had the guts to do it. What do you think stops us all from just being naked online? I, I, I'm going to say the patriarchy. I definitely think it's, it's this ingrained judgment we have that like the naked body is sexual at least, especially in America, you know, the longer I live in Europe, the more I realize that's not true here, at least in, in Holland. Um, people are naked all the time and it never has anything to do with sex. But definitely in America, there's this idea, you know, we have this like Madonna whore complex um, around women, for sure. That becomes very, very quickly, oh, if you're not, you know, pure, then you must be a slut. So do you, do you feel that like being naked was was there an element of rebellion in there for you definitely an element of rebellion I mean um oh definitely I think it was also kind of exciting you know you have to be 18 and you cut you get this whole new level of freedom and there was definitely like an act of, rebe of rebellion there I was quite a rebellious uh rebellious child and I think because I knew you know my family would disapprove and it made me feel I don't know it made me feel kind of cool you know, there was definitely this cool factor, like, oh, yeah, what do you do? Oh, I'm a nude model. Like, oh, cool. And I, you know, I liked creating the art. I will say, you know, I met some really lovely people. I made some really incredible art. Every so often, I'm like, yeah, you know, I could go back and do some of that again, but only in very specific circumstances, I think would be the best way. But there's, there, there, there was rebellion to it. But I also think there was a lot of desperation to it. I was, um, really trying to figure out like how am I going to make rent uh and the second that desperation and nudity get involved with each other I think things get really blurry yeah that's not a good combination no that's not a good combination <laughs> <laughs> so are there days now when you wish that you hadn't done it sometimes uh you know sometimes I think like what if what if like my children ever find this what if if I well if I ever have children or um you know, my mom found me once on the internet and uh, I was just in college, new, newly in college and she drove up to see me and she was crying. I mean, she was devastated 
she was like, why, why, when I Google you, do I see this? And, and she, she actually wrote me a really big check that day. And she goes, if this stops you from doing it, then, you know, I've done my job as a mother. She was, yeah, she was absolutely devastated. Did you ask her why? You know, I don't think in the moment I really thought to ask her why. Um, she, she can be very, not old fashioned, but she does kind of believe that, you know, when you're naked, it should be kind of like a, or at least back then, because this was, this was quite some time ago. It should be kind of more of a purity thing, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, since then, like now, you know, nude spas are becoming more of a thing. And she's, I think she's getting a little more open to the idea that just because you're naked doesn't mean it has to be sexual. Um, but I think for her, it was just, oh my God, my baby is 19. She's so young. What is she doing? I think was more her concern. I think, I think, I mean, the older that I am now, you know, looking back on it, like 10 years ago, I'm going, yeah, okay. I get exactly where she was coming from. But at the time I was too much in my like rebellion phase to, to think too much about her feelings. Yeah. Do you think that the situation sort of became saturated in shame? I think so. I think to a certain degree. And I think with the, the invention and the, the popularization of social media, it's also so much easier to judge, so much easier to find these pictures, so much easier to, to leave comments on people that you've never met. Um, and there is a shame to it. Uh, but I think maybe that's also shifting because the more you share it and the more you, you talk about it, the more people realize, hey, we're all born with these bodies. Who cares? So I think it's, it goes both ways. Because I think the one thing that I've learned about shame over the years is the minute you expose it to the light, it has no power anymore. So the minute yes. you, you talk to somebody, you reveal your deepest, darkest secrets, the things that you think are make you a really flawed human being. And someone's like, oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> that actually is one of my main reasons I share so much. Like, I, I love being so open because I realize that if I keep things all bottled up inside of me, then sometimes they, they explode in really unwanted ways. But if I talk about it, the amount of people that come forward and go, yeah, me too, is overwhelming. I mean, it's really quite beautiful, actually, because you never realize how much crap, um, how much crap you, you deal with, how much shit you hold in until you talk about it and everyone goes, oh, yeah, me too. So I think that's why, like, when I do tell people, oh, yeah, I used to do this nude modeling, I say it out loud because if I own it and I say, yes, I did this, I made these decisions, you can find me naked on the internet, then no one else is going, oh my God, I found you naked on the internet. Like I'm owning it and that makes me feel a lot less shame about it. So when the shame does creep back in, cause I'm, you know, you're, you're just human like the rest of us. And I imagine there yeah. are days when you're just like, fuck, I really wish I hadn't done that. And you know, how do you process it? How do you, how do you deal with the feeling that it creates inside? Um, well, sometimes it's, it's rather quite creepy. Sometimes I go back and I look through the pictures and then I can really pick out the ones like, wow, yeah, I can tell this, I remember this, I was uncomfortable here and you can see it in the photos. Um, and I think I just try to forgive myself. You know, I was, I was young, I was desperate and I made a few questionable decisions. Um, but I also, you know, stood my ground, I think when it came to the really, really questionable decisions. So it, yeah, I think I just have to have to realize that I was doing the best that I could. And and that's, you know, fuck the shame. Like, I did the best I could. Yeah, bring out the compassion, all the compassion. Yeah, exactly. And I think so much of our shame comes from like an unloved or uncared for part of ourselves. And the second we have that compassion and go, no, you know, I did the best I could. 
I forgive myself for whatever, it really does start to feel better. And you go, oh, okay, like this, this is handleable or so. Yeah, I think the, the shame can often come from this judgmental place. And actually, when you turn and face that critical voice, it really doesn't have that much power. It's like we internalize these negative perceptions without really challenging them. Exactly. Yeah, we don't say, no, 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 this doesn't work. We just go, oh, yeah, of course, I should feel terrible about this. And half the time, I mean, I'm going to say the word again, it has been sort of defined by the patriarchy yeah. or by a societal structure that we should be feeling shame about it. And nakedness is one of those things. Yeah, I definitely want to challenge that. You know, I really, I really want to challenge that. I think that it's so, you know, because I've definitely dated men that were like, oh, yeah, you definitely, you cannot take pictures with people anymore, ever clothed, unclothed, whatever. It makes me uncomfortable. And I'm going, are you actually trying to tell me what I can and cannot do with my own body? That level, <laughs> that level of entitlement enrages me on a daily basis. It, it, it really got me, you know, yes, I will communicate. I talk to my partner about what I do. I'm really usually pretty clear. Um, Cause if I feel like taking pictures now, like I'll do it in my own comfortable way. Um, Cause sometimes it is fun to create art and you meet people with these cool ideas and you're like, yeah, let's make something. But I, you know, I'm open and communicative, but I would never in a million years let him dictate what I can and can't do with my body. Like, nay, that's not okay. Absolutely not okay. Does he ever worry about sort of what the attention that you might attract online? You know, I think he thinks it's more amusing than anything. Um, you know, I got lucky with this one, but I think he thinks it's, it's to a certain degree kind of amusing. He's like, yeah, you put it up there. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm living with him and no one else is getting any of my attention. So I don't think it, yeah, he's pretty, he's very secure. Secure, yeah. I was just going to say, he sounds like a really secure man. So one of the things we also talked about sort of before this was how taking these naked photos led you to being propositioned for sex. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, more than once, actually. Um, I have this great story. Uh, I don't know how old I was at the time, 19 or 20 or so. Uh, I was living by Seattle and I, I would every, every month or so, I would take pictures with this guy. I cannot remember his name, to be quite honest. And he is probably now deceased because he was quite old then. Uh, but he had this little apartment in Seattle. And he did take really, like the photos he took, I think were really beautiful and really interesting. And he had a style about the pictures, but how he got the photos was to make me ever just so uncomfortable in order to make these pictures. Now, I'm not sure, there was definitely like a power play that went on here, um, but he paid pretty well. And it was like consistent work, you know, every month I could count on this amount of money from this guy. But I remember, you know, we, we would get along and we would have chit chats and talk about books or whatever, because uh, you, you've got a lot to chat about during the two hours you have a camera pointed at you. And I remember one day he sent me an email and he goes, you know, next time if it feels right and, uh, you know, conversation is flowing well, maybe we could take it a bit further. And I'm like, excuse me? And he goes, well, you know, I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll give you an extra hundred dollars to sleep with me. And immediately my first reaction went, okay, A, a hundred bucks? Dude, you're like 65, I'm 20. No, 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 no. That's also not a going price. And my second reaction was, okay, I'm in it for the pictures. I'm not a prostitute. And I was so 
taken back. I mean, I literally, I think I sat and stared at this email flabbergasted for a proper like 10, 15 minutes. Cause I was going, what? Like where in this man's mind did he think that that was a viable option? What, what I was so blown. And I'm still to this day thinking, where did he even come up with the idea to just toss it out like that? Do you, did you have any, did you come to any conclusions on that? You know, I, I, I even, he, I even asked him, I think, and he just went, oh, I just thought we got along really well. And, you know, uh, you're over here anyway, and you're already naked or something like that. And I was like, yeah, but there's such a huge, huge difference between, you know, me being six feet away from you in front of a camera, you know, in a nightgown taking pictures than you inside of me. Like there's a vast, vast canyon between these two things. See, that really interests me because I, I have noticed online that the sexier the photos I post, or even not sexy, revealing, the more troublesome messages I receive as a result. Yes. Do you find yes. that like there seems to be, in my mind, I'm putting something up online and I'm not, there's no caption that says, hey guys, look at this photo and tell me if you want to sleep with me. It's literally yeah. like, I took this photo of myself if I look sexual, it's because I'm owning my own sexuality. Yes. But it seem, it's like an invitation. I guess that's what I'm coming to is people, men seem to see it as an invitation. Yes, I think that that's also, men definitely see it as an invitation. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I post things because I'm like, hey, I look really hot and I think this is a cool photo. And then I'll get people just being like, oh, yeah, are you asking for it? And I'm like, no. If I was asking for it, I would have said, hey, you want to fuck? I mean, like, pardon my language, but that's me asking for it. And I think, but men take it so far so quickly. Um, like the second, and I, and, and I think there is like a, there's a power play there because yes, women, like I want to own my sexuality. I want to own my body. And if I think I look good, I'm going to post the picture, but it has nothing to do with, with a man. And I, I think they get angry that it doesn't have anything to do with them. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we should clarify here that when not all men behave like this. Obviously, no. we're sort of massively no. generalizing. Um, no. You don't no, generally that's... get women making comments or sending lewd messages in response to stuff like this. I don't know, maybe men do get that online. Um, but some men seem to believe that this is there is very little room between somebody looking naked and them being yeah. available for something more. Would you say that's right? Yeah, I think I think there's the availability. How do you feel when that happens to you? Does it? How does it make you feel? Do you regret putting the photo up? No, actually, my my new job. Well, not my new job. I've taken it upon myself when I get creepy messages on Instagram to inform the person sending it why it is not appropriate. <laughs> so I will get in full on conversations with people going, "Hey, dude, this is really not okay, and you really shouldn't be sending this kind of stuff to girls you don't know or girls you do know just because they post something." And I've had some really interesting conversations because of it, actually. What what kind of responses did you get to that? Uh, sometimes they're not so nice. Sometimes they keep going and being nasty. And sometimes I've actually had men be like, wow, I didn't think about it that way, thanks. See, that's that's interesting. Like that. So what you're doing is basically sort of not policing the internet, but putting an alternative view out there that might stop someone next time. You know, yeah. And I think like... um. You know, I could ignore them. I could disregard their messages. I could just delete it. 
But if they start with something that really floors me, like, wow, you just went there, I will actually open it up and say, hey, dude, that's really not okay. That's really inappropriate. Um, you know, would, how would you like it if someone did this to your sister or your cousin or your mom or whatever? And I, and some of the guys go, oh, gosh, you're right. I never thought about it that way. I just thought you were attractive and I, you know, whatever. And I'm going, yeah, okay, well, I'm in a relationship, blah, 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 blah. And that's just really not all right on the internet. So it's been a really mixed bag, but it's been really interesting. And I've had some people apologize. Oh, I'm really sorry. I can see how maybe that came off really inappropriate. It's really interesting to me. It's really interesting how I think people, especially on the internet, with, with the more social media we have, it's so much easier to just send a message than it is to say something to someone's face. Like, I don't think these people would ever say this to me if I was walking down the street next to them. But when you're behind a screen, there's this level of like safety, I think, that people think it's really okay. Oh, I can just say whatever I want. I feel like people, they other people. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, so you're, because they don't know exactly what you said, because they don't know you and they don't have to say it to your face. You, you're almost an object with no feelings. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it does feel like you're an object. And, it, you know, um, I think that's that's the problem with, with being naked on the internet is is you do become completely objectified. Like, if I'm naked in front of you, then I'm an actual human being with feelings. You can see my reactions. But the second I'm just a picture, you know, me personally, the second I'm just a picture, then I think people kind of go, oh, well, it's just a photo. Like, that picture doesn't have feelings. Yeah, I think that's a, a very sort of powerful sentiment is that you really it's very hard to show who you really are when you're naked would you say that even though you are completely without cover <laughs> I actually think that that can be very true I think people feel so vulnerable that like personality bits get lost when you're naked um because even you know just as like a human being we are so fleshy and weak and soft you know we can't really exist in full nudity in many places in the world um, that we inhabit, because it's just not possible. We would, it really would not work for us. And I think there is this fear. There's definitely a fear sometimes that I get from being, from being naked, because I go, well, I can't protect myself then. A very primal thing. Yeah, is it a uniquely female fear? Yeah, I really, you know, I don't know, but I will say in my one experience being on a nude beach, it might be more female than male just judging by body language. What was the body language that you saw? Well, I mean, you see a lot of women like sitting and they've got their legs crossed or they're, you know, they're sitting with their friends and they're, you, they look smaller. Like they're trying to take up less space even though they are still on a nude beach, you know, fully naked. And then you see men standing around with their legs wide and their hands on their hips and their shoulders back. You know, they're just power posing all over the place. Do you think that's like, that's a primal response to the, the other, you know, the men and women around, or do you think it's a result of social conditioning and how we've been taught to feel about our bodies? Um, I think it's both. I think there is sort of like a primal thing, you know, um, and males and other species as well, you know, they're the ones that have to preen and, and show off for the women. So I think that that's just part of biology. But I definitely think a lot of it is social conditioning. You know, women have been taught that we're unclean or we're dirty because we bleed or, you know, we have to be shameful of our bodies, blah, 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 blah. And that is pretty, pretty cohesive across almost all cultures, except for those that are still, you know, less conditioned by, uh, you know, capitalism and the patriarchy. 
Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's a little bit of a mix of both, but definitely heavily influenced by what we were taught, even as little kids, you know, boys will be boys and they'll be funny and girls have to keep their socks clean and can't go play. So I feel like neither of us were the kind of kids who kept our socks clean and didn't Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> I was definitely the, the little girl that would show up in a really nice dress and then go jump in a river and my mom would go, well, that's just going to be that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about physical imperfection then. All right. Because I feel like this is sort of edging around the conversation because there's, yeah. there's nakedness when you're young and, and you have a perfect body and there's nakedness... Um, when or you can still be young and have self be self conscious about your body, but there's obviously a lot of the stuff we see online is airbrushed and corrected. So I know one of your passions is building body confidence. So how does yeah. this relate into the sort of vulnerability topic? Well, I mean, I think um, I mean we can even tie it back to modeling, like. I struggled pretty heavily with eating disorders when I was like 16, 17, 18-ish. Um, my mom had to take, I wasn't eating basically at all. Uh, and I ended up uh, passing out in the bathroom of a retail store because I hadn't eaten in about three days. And my friend found me in the bathroom floor and went, okay, this is a problem. We have to talk about this. And I think for me also part of like this whole being naked on camera thing was a really way of just being like, this is my body and I'm going to love it no matter what. And if I have to love it by showing it to people in the flesh, then that's how I'm going to process that. Um, yeah. And so I think because I've struggled with this so much and I've had this like yo-yo of taking care of myself and then, you know, incredibly not taking care of myself and, you know, like let's smoke cigarettes instead of eating food kind of phases. Um, I think it's so important that we love our bodies because they are built in this way and having struggled with mine so much, I find it to be really cathartic to just allow myself to love my body. And I realize I'm definitely not the only woman that struggles with this on you know a daily basis even. Um, and I think that it's a movement that's taking off more and more. But my body is very cool, you know? And once I really got into going to the gym and teaching yoga, and I realized all the awesome things it does, I wanna take care of it more. And I think that's an ongoing cycle of going, oh, this is really cool. Oh, I want to take care of it. Oh, this is really cool. Oh, I want to take care of it. That, that cycles around and around. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely into, into body confidence. And I feel like sometimes learning to love your body means learning to love it like when you're naked. You have to. You have to go, this is it. Stare at yourself in the mirror and go, yeah, this is what I look like completely naturally. And this is perfect exactly as it is. But we're taught that that's not okay. And, you know, like the weight loss body image um, industry is you know, a billion dollar industry every year telling women, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, you have to get lipo. Oh, you have to get a fake butt. Oh, all of this plastic surgery, all of this stuff. I mean, and it's really the ads that I get on, on social media and stuff are constantly telling me, oh, do you want to lose five to 10 pounds? Oh, do you want to try keto? Oh, do you want to do intermittent fasting? Oh, have you thought about getting fake lips or fake eyelashes? And I'm going, well, no, I think I'm pretty cool. But when you see it every day, it's really, really easy to go, oh, well, maybe I'm not good enough. So how, how do you overcome this feeling, this sort of questioning of whether you're actually good enough? I find like when I really don't feel good in my body, I move it. That's the best possible thing I know how to do for it. Um, 
if I suddenly go, oh God, you know, I've gained weight or, you know, this pandemic, I'm sitting at home and I've gained like four kilos and I have to go, you know what? It's okay. The whole world is going through a crisis right now. It means that I have a safe place to live and uh, I've got food. Okay, we're going to work with that. But for me, yeah, the best possible thing I can do is move it. Um, and also like, I'm, I'm a firm believer, like when you feel good, take the picture, like take the selfie. And then when you don't feel good, you can look at it and be like, yes, I'm awesome. Look at how good I look. Look at how good I felt in that photo. If that can happen once, it can happen again. So that does help sometimes. I, I like the idea that um, one of the things that makes you feel really good about the way your body looks is what it can do, sort of shifting the perspective from yeah. just the aesthetic to, to the actual, the whole 3D body and what it's capable of. And so I know you're a yoga teacher. Is, is, is that one of the reasons that you got into it? Yeah, I actually think, I mean, like, while I love the whole spiritual side and it really does help me manage, you know, my stress and everything, but I really, I, I get so much joy in yoga when I realize that I'm doing something I didn't think was possible. Um, it just, it just makes me so overwhelmingly happy to realize that my body can do something like stand on my head or you know balance on my arms and I'm going oh my gosh how cool is this like how awesome that I can do this how awesome that I can flow and I can sweat and I can breathe heavy and then I can you know oh it just feels so good I think to realize that I can move in these ways it's I think it's a really powerful thing like yoga especially because it doesn't it doesn't matter how you start when you come on the mat, when you get off the mat, you always feel better. Yeah, yeah, I always do. I, I will say, you know, it's not even just yoga for me. Like when I go to the gym, I always feel better when I sweat and when I move, if I go for a walk, if I go for a bike ride, like getting the blood flowing is so important, important in so many ways. And I will say like, um, as a yoga teacher, I'm definitely not one of those teachers that will sit there or just walk around. Like, I'm going to do the whole class with you because it's just as much for me as it is for the rest of the class. Because <laughs> I need it too. Yeah, I think that's that's completely fair enough. Okay, so we've sort of covered a few situations where vulnerability has, has come up for you. And I, I get the sense that you don't back down from vulnerability. It's something that you've sort of stepped into. Um, I so, feel like, yeah, sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to ask, no, feel free. What were you going to say? No, I, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. So I'm just, you know, making noise over here. But um, no, what were you going to ask? <laughs> I was going to ask why you didn't back down. Because often I think when, when we feel vulnerable, um, it's often, you know, perceived as weakness or something that we want to shut down or we might sort of numb it with alcohol or drugs or sex or shopping or that kind of thing. And it it's quite hard to sit with the difficult feelings that come up and then really push into it. So I'm just wondering what drove you to do that? I think, I think for me, it's like, a, it's a healing. Um, it can be so cathartic to sit with crap and it can be so cathartic to share. Um, and I, you know, I really enjoy writing. And so sometimes like if I'm really feeling something and I sit down and I write it and I cry through it and I feel through it and then I go, oh, you know, now I don't have to carry it with me. I think, yeah, for me, it's, it's like an unburdening. You know, if you have this bag of crap and if the way if the way to set that bag of crap down is to open it up and show it to the world, I'm going to open it up and show it to the world because then I don't have to carry it. So it kind of helps it it helps me get things off my own chest, which might be very selfish, but it also helps me connect to people 
but it is yeah for me it's it's such a healing a healing process you know and i've done loads of reading about shame and vulnerability and this and that you know Brene brown every day um and i think it, it can be so cathartic to just say yeah here i am this is it i am open you know and i mean the the, the, the negative side is you know privacy not much people tend to know a lot more about me than i think they do or have an idea of me that I can no longer influence because they've read my whole life story or something. Um, but then there's also a, a safety and a peace in knowing that I'm not, I don't have to try to be anything else other than exactly who I am. I don't have to try to keep up a facade. I'm not trying to be, you know, a personality or a brand or a, a concept, you know, I'm human and it's messy and it, it helps. It helps to be messy. <laughs> So, I mean, if you were sort of speaking to someone who finds the thought of vulnerability terrifying and slightly impossible, how would you pitch it? <laughs> how would I pitch it? I would say, like, start with yourself. I think so many people are afraid to even be vulnerable with themselves, you know, and be open with their own heart and their own thoughts and their own feelings. Um, one of the biggest things that's really helped me is journaling. And I, I have terrible, terrible, messy handwriting. So I know if anyone ever found my journal, they would never even be able to read it, which helps. But just even taking a moment to be honest with myself about how I feel about things can be incredibly overwhelmingly open. I would say the first possible thing, if, if people don't know what to do or where to start, journal. Like get a piece of paper, get a Google Doc, get something private, write in code, whatever works for you. Sit down and take 20 minutes to just spill something, talk about something. Even if it's, I don't want to do this, this is stupid. If you do it consistently, it'll start to change. And suddenly you'll, you'll be writing things that maybe you haven't even consciously thought about. See, I think there is this idea around journaling, which that it's very Bridget Jones. It's something only women can do. Yeah. You know, you have to have an, a pretty little notebook and sort of be writing about, I don't know, boys or whatever. But it, I think that's really false. And what you're saying is... It is a key to understanding your own self, your own thoughts, and all of the sort of critical um, storylines that are constantly playing in your head. So I think that's that's a great place for people to start. And like you say, it doesn't have to be um, in a nice journal with, you know, a fancy oh. pen with a feather on top. <laughs> no, yeah, I do think we do have this concept. Yeah, the very Bridget Jones, Dear yeah. Diary, today was like this. <laughs> and I'm talking like messy scribbles. Like, go for it. Don't think about what you're writing. Just write. Let it be messy. You know, I I usually write in those, um, like, 99-cent composition books, the, the black and white ones that kind of look like freckles. <laughs> and they're super cheap, and they're great, and they're easy, and it doesn't look very nice, but you just I just go for it. And it feels so good. And I would say, you know, the first couple days are hard, but if you do it every day for a couple of weeks, suddenly you're like, wow, the realizations you'll have are amazing. And it doesn't have to be this girl thing. And if you want to call it something different, you know, don't call it journaling, but call it like stress release on paper or whatever you need to call it that makes you want to do it. Rename it. Doesn't matter. That's a really good idea. Um, I just want to ask you quickly before we finish about creativity, because I, I think that creativity is probably something we all have but not everybody uses um yeah. and that creativity is probably the thing that can make us feel the most vulnerable yeah so how do you feel about it how do you explore it and I know you coach people creatively so could you yeah. just tell me a bit more about that 
Yeah, I think um, for a long time, I got people that would message me and be like, oh, you're so creative, but I'm not at all. And I'm going, I think everyone, everyone, everyone is creative. We've just forgotten how to access it. You know, as kids, all of us were painting and drawing and building things and rolling down hills and such. And then as we get older, we're taught that that's not okay or it's not good enough or uh, it's, you know, it's not an expression that's acceptable. But I think everyone is capable of being creative. Um, and it is, you know, art can be very, very personal. It's you, I feel like when I make stuff, a lot of the time, you're kind of taking a bit of yourself and going, I hope you like it. You know, here I made this for you. I hope you like it. Um, and not everyone's going to like everything. And I think that's also a big part of it is there's going to be people that don't like what you create, but you're going to have to get over that. Uh, cause there's going to be people that love it and you have to focus on them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely had my own insecurities about about the art that I make and going, oh, and if I don't sell any, then no one really likes me. And I've had a really long time of under undercharging for it. But I think there's we've we've locked so much of our creativity inside of us. And there's also this whole big uh, thing these days, like, oh, make art and have you know have it be your side hustle, which I hate the word. I hate side hustles. Um, and I think that that's, that completely misses the point. So like in my work, when I work with people, it's not about, oh, build a business creatively or learn to make things you can sell on Etsy. It's like, how messy do you want to get with a paintbrush because it makes you feel good? And then if you don't like the art at the end of it, it's not about creating something you can hang up. You can burn it for all I care. It's about the process of making. It's about allowing yourself to create something just for the joy of making it. Literally, it's not, it, it's not, oh, I'm going to make this because I need to hang it on my wall. No, just play with it for a bit. Make it, burn it, set it on fire, and then do it over again. Okay, so just before we finish, what would be your one note on vulnerability that you'd like to sort of define for other people? Um, like, oh gosh, one note. I would say start small, but start with yourself. Like, it, it start with yourself. I mean, it, it can be scary enough to be vulnerable to yourself. So don't feel like suddenly you have to jump in and start telling the whole world all of your secrets. You know, start start with you. It all comes from you. And if you can, um, when I have really bad days, sometimes I, uh, I go into the bathroom and I look in the bathroom mirror and I talk to myself. Yeah, start there. <laughs> okay, that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it's been lovely. It's been really <laughs> wonderful, actually. I've really enjoyed myself. Yeah, me too. Um, okay, well, thank you very much. And hopefully we'll speak to you again. Yeah, sounds good.